Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable, this time with Legally Speaking with Steve. June is LGBTQ month, and also on this day, the 75th anniversary of the Anne Frank Diary release. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Production. Our partner, Stephen J. Seidman, is a founding attorney of Seidman Law Office with over 30 years as an experienced trial lawyer focused on personal injury. Steve is America's Heroes Group partner, sponsor, and advisory board member. And also, don't forget to join us live with streaming now on Facebook. You also can subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our weekly podcast. Follow us on social media wherever you get your podcasts. This is America's Heroes Group. You can also see us on AHG.org, AmericasHG.org. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing, Sean? Pretty good. So what do you have to update us on this week? Well, it's it's been a busy week, uh, absolutely, and, and and many of these things have to do with veterans. I'd like to start out, Glenda Smith, our wonderful executive producer, texted me yesterday and said, well, now that the Dobbs decision, as we know, Sean, that's the Roe versus Wade uh, decision that came down yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, she said, how does this affect women who serve in the military and who have served in the military uh, now that there is a, a ban, uh, at least in Mississippi. And the answer to the question um, is, unfortunately, it doesn't, because service members, veterans, and their family have faced abortion bans and prohibition on insurance covers, coverage uh, when trying to access abortions uh, and those type of, uh, that type of care. The federal law prohibits the Department of Defense from providing abortion services and military treatment facilities, and the uh, in TRICAR insurance program, TRICARE, which is the insurance program, mm-hmm. from covering such services except when the pregnancy is a result of rape, incest, or when the life of the pregnant person is at risk. Uh, the VA, the VHJ, the Veterans Health Administration, which, as we know, Sean, provides health services to veterans, they never, before this, after Roe, it never provided or paid for any abortion services under any circumstance. So in point of fact, um, uh, the women veterans never had that as a right, unfortunately. 
Um, now, there are in VA, and, and I, I encourage the veterans uh, who are, are women to please go to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs website because there's lots of health services that the VA does provide, uh, disease prevention, nutrition counseling, birth control, preconception counseling, menopausal support, support, hormone replacement services, all kinds of things, including now IVP, which is the IVP is the intro veto fertilization. Um, and so I urge uh, uh, people to use the website to, to look into that. Um, and I wanted to mention that because with Roe versus Wade being overturned, uh, we also have a, another situation that uh, companies legally are paying, such as Disney, I understand, Meta, which was Facebook. A lot of different companies are paying uh, to have their employees, if they want, travel to those states, such as Illinois, where at this current time, abortions are still legal. And it, it's an interesting legal question because some states, Missouri, for instance, have discussed making laws that would forbid someone from going to another state where abortions are legal to access abortion care there. Is that possible? Uh, I don't Can think they, they have actually do that? The, the one in Missouri is going to be similar to Texas that says allowing people to sue anyone who helps or assists someone to leave the state for an abortion. Is there, has that ever um, been precedent where someone was able to sue somebody from another, doing something in another state? Uh, no. And, in fact, there isn't. But we're dealing with Texas. We're dealing with Missouri. We're dealing with these red states. And you're exactly right. There is no precedent. And speaking of precedent, and then I'll move on to, to topics other than this. Speaking of precedent, it takes, as, as, as President Biden said yesterday, if you wanted to codify abortion into the laws of the state of the land, you could codify such. How does that happen? Well, that means codifying means making a statute. You, co- you put in a code. How do you do that? You elect officials who are going to have the guts to, to pass that. And if it's passed, that gets around uh, this, this uh, I won't say foolishness because there are very two sides to every issue, but it gets around what we're seeing here. Then, um, and if you did go that route, say you did go that route where we changed the White House, we, we elected a liberal Congress, then it still has to go with the Supreme Court still has certain rights under the Three Marine Circus to actually still block that, don't they? We still have a conservative a conservative uh, court system or conservative Supreme Court, uh, which yes. is pretty much stuck. They don't get elected. They're there until they retire or die. That's correct. But uh, when, a, when a law is passed, it has to muster constitutional, obviously constitutional um, uh, uh, it has to be constitutional, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to always be looked at by every court. You could uh, bet your bottom dollar that we're going to see uh, any type of those types of laws come under major strict attack. The mm-hmm. key is to make one that's constitutionally valid uh, and uh, to to make sure that it passes muster. And you're right. They're there for life. If you recall Merrick Garland, who's now the attorney general, was appointed by Barack Obama when he was president, and it was blocked. Yep. So that, And then Justice Ginsburg died, and this started this, this uh, from occurring. So I will tell you that, uh, as I've always said, and we've always discussed, uh, that, that uh, you've got to be involved, and if you're going you're gonna to have to elect people that are going to do this. Also, I must tell you, that you better, for instance, you got DeSantis in, in Florida, 
Mm-hmm. You got people, whoever, they, they're going to pass laws throughout the state of this land statewide because what that decision did is to give states the right. Right. That, so, that's the key thing I took away from it is that and the door, and that door was kind of left open from Roe versus Wade because they had two statutes, two things that they came away with was right to privacy was the first thing, but then they still had an interest in, in the life of the unborn. So th- right. that kind of basically said well, this is the federal mandate. Um, but then now, it's this, according to this, the new case, you have Dobbs versus Jackson. Now they say, well, the states could pretty much make their own uh, rules because there's no longer a protected right to an abortion. You still have a right to privacy, I guess, theoretically, but you don't have a right to an abortion, per se. And then look at what Justice Thomas said, sorry, in his, in his concurring opinion, that the next step is maybe we should look under – uh, the the cases about L- LGBT rights. That that can fill me for a loop. I don't understand what's that connection all about. Yeah, exactly. What is what is marriage between two people have to do with with abortion? And what he's doing is, hey, we could we could basically take this right away from people if the states make law. Hint hint. And we could then say the states are making law. We have states' rights. Therefore. Those laws are gone, just like they did with Dobbs. And, I mean, it, 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 the insanity of this whole thing could go uh, on and on. And what he did okay. that. And what we're seeing in a lot of these red states are, I mean, I have to tell you, it, it, we could go on with 100 things that they could legislate away. You know, what about legalization of cannabis? Right now it's legal in Illinois, legal in many states, not legal federally, mm-hmm. right? So all of a sudden all of these licenses that we have given away – they could be wiped out with uh, with a law that says federally there is no uh, right, or it, it, the states have the right to to create their own laws. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Now, walk me back. Walk me back to the Mississippi um, um, law, because from what I understood, because the original case uh, Dobbs versus Jackson, there was um, um, one group basically suing the right for the other group because the state had reduced the mandate from uh, Roe versus Wade to 15 weeks. I think it's 20 weeks, I believe, or 24 weeks you could do it under Roe versus Wade covered abortion without any state interference. But Mississippi law then said we're going to reduce this to 15 weeks as opposed to 24 weeks. Is it is it not a, is it a legal period now, or is it still 15 weeks? Um, we uh, we have uh, it, Mississippi is is 15 weeks. Okay. Law as it stands right now in Mississippi is 15 weeks. And if it, unless not even rape, abortion doesn't matter. If it goes past 15 weeks, you cannot have an abortion in Mississippi. That's legalized, uh, illegal to have that. So that's now the law of the land. Um, so um, unfortunately, that's where Mississippi has has left us. And and a lot of the, and by the way, a lot of the other states have triggering laws. Sean, mm-hmm. triggering laws are such that once the Supreme Court came down and reversed Roe versus Wade, uh, it triggers uh, the uh, the illegality of abortion in those states. So, for instance, uh, yesterday I heard uh, somewhere, and I think it was Arkansas, they had to tell people to leave the clinic immediately uh, because uh, it was not illegal. So many states now have triggering uh, laws on this, and so what we're seeing now is uh, the uh, the illegality of, of abortion throughout many of these states automatically. 
Now, I was shocked um, by that. I was really shocked by this court that they, they kind of just dismissed, in my opinion, dismissed the idea of fetal viability. That was something that came out in the, in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case in 1992. That was the whole thing that changed a little bit of what Roe versus Wade set up. But fetal viability, which was trying, which is a question I keep asking everybody on the show. I don't care what side you're on is when is a, a, a baby or a baby versus a, a pile of cells? You know, when does that occur? You know, fetal viability spoke to that. They completely just threw that out the window and said, we're just going to let the states handle that, figure that out. You know, and it, it's interesting because you mentioned that, and it's like some say first breath. Others in this decision apparently say at 15 weeks. Uh, so, uh, you know, there are many religions that say this doesn't occur by ability till first breath of the infant. Others would say it's at the moment of conception. And this this is is where we have entered into this uh, this rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting in next month. Uh, I'll be back. But with regard to veterans, unfortunately, um, it didn't matter anyway, Sean, because there was never any federal money ever given uh, for abortions to uh, to female veterans, which is interesting in and of itself because Roe was the the, the law of the land for over 50 years. So um, riddle me this first, this for human for a second. So when a person's in the military, they're considered government property. So that's, so that's the reason why I, the way I rationalize, why a lot of things that can be done that you can do as a civilian, you just can't do as a military individual, as a person serving in the military, whether you're a National Guard, whether you're a regular army, whether you're a Marine, whatever. Is that, is that, in your mind, is that make is that legal? Is that legal? Is that is that legal? So how can they have a, a one set of laws for women in the military and then another set of laws for women outside of the military? If you're, well, if you're, if you're they, in the constitution, it would seem that it's unconstitutional. But when you're in the military, uh, they, as you have just said, there there is no right to that you you live by the military code of justice and the, and the military rules. You give up those rights, but. What your riddle is or what bothers me is that what about when you leave and you're a veteran? Okay, why shouldn't you have the same rights under equal protection that a woman who is not in the military was not a veteran? You're depending upon VA rights, VA insurance coverage, right? So, um, I mean, I agree with you. Um, and I, I think that we're going to see uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of issues that uh, come down the pike in the next uh, few weeks and months. And it's going to be very um, interesting and, and probably very tumultuous times for us uh, in that regard. Um, I'd like to move on to a couple things because I know I'm very limited on time. Very important things. One is uh, we've been talking about burn pits, Sean, and um, you, you taught me a lot about those and what you had to uh, deal with. Uh, this week, uh, a bill that we had talked about to cover millions of veterans' care for cancer, lung problems linked to burn pits, it headed to the, uh, President Biden's desk after, okay. and uh, it, it had a final vote in the House. Thursday, the Senate voted 84 to 14 uh, to pass the Honoring Our PACT Act, and it, it uh, basically broadens uh, uh, rights and care for burn pits uh, survivors. And Indeed, uh, when, when Veterans Affairs coverage for toxic exposure to burn pits is now going to be the, uh, the order of the day, the vote brings the bill one step closer to law after years of advocacy from veterans groups that actually this is the cancer that President Biden 
says killed his son. It, it's mm-hmm. a glioblastoma that he felt was uh, caused by the burn pits. Wow. Um, so that was a wonderful sweeping expansion of health care and disability law for, for many, many thousands and thousands. Uh, one other thing that I need to talk about is that this week, um, uh, actually the <clears throat> in March started, the U.S. House of Representatives passed another one. Last week, we talked about, or last month, we talked about a situation in which uh, all of these toxic uh, water at these um, um, uh, camps, uh, the, the military camp, uh, and actually Camp Lejeune um, was notorious for this. And on March 3rd, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Camp Lejeune Justice Act as part of a broader legislation. And it, it basically gives veterans exposed to toxins at Camp Lejeune, the right to sue, once again, it's very important, the right to sue privately. Um, and, um, you know, that's a very large, as we know, it, uh, it, it the surrounding community has 150,000 people. It's the home of the Marine Expeditionary Force, the logistics group, and there's a naval hospital. From 1953 to 1987, uh, people were exposed to toxic contaminants in the water supply there. And so veterans uh, and families began to file lawsuits, but they were uh, all dismissed. And the court determined that claims were barred by federal North Carolina law under the Ferries Doctrine. We've talked about over the years here where service members may not sue the U.S. government for injuries incurred incident to military service. Um, So um, now uh, the, the law has changed in that regard. They're now allowing private rights causes of action. So, uh, you know, I'm not one to uh, uh, to tout what we do at my firm, but um, for people who might have been at Camp Lejeune, any veteran who might be uh, having any health issues relating to water contamination or any cancer, if they wanted to call me at my office at 312-781-1977, I'd be happy to, to talk about it. It's a major step in the right direction because now uh, they uh, they have allowed people um, to uh, to sue privately who are in the military. And that, that gets back to the discussion that you started by saying, well, if you're in the military, you can't do certain things. Why not? This is really the first thing that I've seen of being a lawyer over 40 years now, that I have seen that um, there has been a private cause of action uh, caused by this type of exposure. Uh, a couple of years ago, we saw the Ferris Doctrine chain. That was where you could not sue for medical malpractice in a facility uh, if you were part of the military. We saw that change. Um, so we're starting to see some change, and uh, it it's really opens up the vista for toxic, toxic exposure and lawsuits uh, because of the contaminated water at Camp Lejeune. So I wanted to open up any questions. I know I only have a couple more minutes and uh, to see if um, you had any issues or any questions. The only thing I wanted to add is because you're talking about the burn pits and also talking about, you know, toxic exposure to different chemicals. You know, it reminded me of, of like, the of experiences I had. This weren't necessarily in the military um, and were possibly close to military bases. But for legal reasons, I will not get into too many details. Um, but I remember when I, I took a, an assignment and I went to, it was close to the uh, airport. And when I got to the airport, I had this headache that wouldn't go away. It was just this headache that was going on for about a week. And then it became two weeks. And it was like two and a half weeks. 
But in the meantime, when I was getting this headache every day, I was like, man, I get this headache. So I was like, you know, I wonder what's going on. Maybe I stopped drinking coffee or something. What's, what's happening with this headache? So I asked one of the guys sitting next to me. He says, oh, that's, that goes away after about two weeks. We get used to it. I said, well, so what is this? I said, what do you mean? I said, yes. I said, I don't know. It happens to everybody that comes here. I said, oh. And then sure enough, two weeks later, it was gone. Unbelievable. But what you don't know is what the permanent damage it might have caused you. That's the problem. And the burn pit exposure, it's not going to manifest itself in two weeks when it goes away. It might be 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And that's what we're experiencing. That's what we saw with Agent Orange. So you have to be careful about your health. One more time, Steve. Give us your contact information. So how do people get a hold of you? And also, if they want to get a hold of you on social Steve media. Seidman at, Steve Seidman at Seidman, Margolis, and Thurman, 312-781-1977. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.